Are you feeling stuck? Are you searching for purpose and a more fulfilling life? Are you looking for inspiration and encouragement? Then this is the place for you. I'm Brooke Moore. I'm Gretchen Jackson. I'm Kelly Strother. I'm Tharwit Lovett. We are Shifter. In this podcast, we will address all things mindset. You will hear real stories from real women who have faced their fears, crushed their limiting beliefs, and have turned their mess into their message by shifting their mindsets and leveling up in business and life. The mission of Shifter is to empower women with tools to shift their minds to level up in business and life. We aim to support the big dreams of all women and want to celebrate their success. Today, we are sharing Morgan Herndon with MCH Artwork. Morgan Herndon of North Little Rock, Arkansas-based MCH Artwork offers a distinct style of art through her use of traditional acrylic brushwork, followed by whimsical color drips of latex paint. Embracing the organic elements of her drips, she recognizes clearly that she is bringing life to her art by allowing, rather than controlling, the paint. She highlights and identifies each of her drips by outlining them, creating order from the chaos. Resonating with her subjects in a way that is fresh and modern, she allows the viewer to transform their view of everyday art into a deeper connection of delight. Morgan began her journey into painting as a means of finding light in tragedy. In 2010, she experienced heartache after losing her first husband to suicide. Raising three young boys at the time, she found a quiet canvas as a way to process her pain. This processing became the cornerstone to her creativity. Her mission was clear for herself and others to accept the sorrow and pain in life, but not to stop there. Her art creates joy and light as reminders for all of us to continue forward in any circumstances. For more information, including a process video, please visit www.mchartwork.com. Now on to our episode. Lucy Bear is a body positive portrait and branding photographer that has been called by her experience with her own eating disorder recovery. Lucy uses her lens to capture your story and uses her words to create a conversation. She is finding her truth in eating disorder recovery and realizes that her life goal does not need to be to shrink her body. Instead, she's taking the energy she used to make herself smaller and putting it toward the greater good to become unstoppable. I have been personally inspired by her decision to share her story publicly, and I know you will be too. Welcome to the show, Lucy. Oh, thank you. I love that introduction. I want to like, you're going to have to send me those notes so I can like make that whole thing my bio because that, that's yes. good. Yes. Well, I'm so glad, and I'm so glad that you're here. And what I really want to get into first, of course, is your eating disorder. But what I really want to commend you on is I know it was very hard for you to decide to share your story publicly. And when you were deciding to do that, I kind of watched you walk through that step with your personal development and your personal growth. And it has changed so many people's lives, including the lives of some people near and dear to me. So I'm so thankful for you for having the courage to do that. Can you just kind of walk us through how your eating disorder began and where you're at now? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I guess before you know how the eating disorder began, um, you know, it's kind of good to know some background on my, my upbringing. So, um, number one, I'm adopted. Okay. And I've always known that I was adopted. My parents did a fabulous job about, you know, not making it some secret. Um, but I, and I was also an only child. 
Um, and so there were always just a lot of questions about who, who I am. And I know, you know, many people grow up and they're like, who am I? Like, what's my identity? You know, but for me, it was, I couldn't look at my parents and, you know, kind of know, okay, this is where I came from. That's where I came from. Um, and so growing up, you know, and it was probably partly being an only child too. I just, I fantasized all the time about who my parents were. Um, what did they look like? Like, does my birth mother have my eyes? Does, you know, am I into sports because of my dad? Like, it was just always a huge question. And I used to, um, like, I used to pretend that Julia Roberts was my birth mother, or I used to pretend that like Jennifer Garner was my birth mother, um, and just play out these stories. Um, and so, you know, my, other than that, my childhood was wonderful. My parents are great. My mom's one of my best friends now. Um, but I was just confused and I was kind of looking to see where I fit. And, um, I did a lot of sports growing up and, um, one of the big ones was tennis. Um, if I hadn't have gotten sick, I probably could have played on the college level. Um, but it was probably about when I was 14 or 15, um, I was, you know, playing tennis around the clock and I was, I was super, like I was all muscle pretty much, but I just had it in my head that if I lost a little bit of weight, maybe I could be faster on the tennis court. Maybe, you know, along with the power that I had, maybe I could move quicker. Um, no coach was ever like you're fat. Um, my mother, you know, never talked about her diet or, you know, forced me to eat certain things. Like I, I really think I just kind of came up with this on my own. And this was when the special K diet first came about. If you remember, it was, yeah, it was that first like big one. And so I was like, okay, you know, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to try the special K diet. And, and I did. And you know, I followed it just as you're supposed to. You have special K with fruit for breakfast. Um, you have it again for lunch. And then you have just a normal dinner at night. Um, and I started getting some results. I started, you know, losing a little bit of weight and um, feeling, feeling good. Um, I was also working out all the time um, on top of the, of the dieting. Um, and at some point people started noticing and you know people can say all day long that you know that there's two schools of thought that eating disorders are either for attention or other people say that eating disorders are not about attention it is just 100 percent a mental illness and i see both sides of it um because for me at first it was attention um people started telling me I looked good. Um, and, and obviously, you know, as women, we know what that feels like. We're like, Oh, thank you. I, I feel great. Um, but I decided to take it a step further. And so I started just kind of cutting things out and adding more exercise and, um, got to a point, um, you know, several months down the road where it wasn't so much, Oh my God, she looks so good. Like she's lost some weight. It's, Ooh, like, is, is she doing drugs? Like, is Lucy into Coke? Um, you know, th things like that were going around the high school, but at home, it was, um, 
I don't know, I felt a lot more affection towards me. Like I, I started um, equating being sick and people worrying about me to love. And it was from there that I just, I sought it. I needed it. Um, and never mind that slowly, you know, I was just kind of disappearing. And um, initially I was diagnosed with female athlete triad, which is basically you're working out too much for the calories that you're taking. Um, and it started with that. And then it, you know, became a full-blown eating disorder. And I was in my first treatment center um, junior year of high school. Uh, it was the, I think the first semester. And um, it was, you know, you were there with other girls ages, I think like 13, maybe younger um, through 18. And none of us wanted to be there, right? None of us wanted to gain weight. Our parents forced us there. We couldn't sign ourselves out. Um, and it was like summer camp. I mean, you know, yes, there was therapy. Yes, there was, you know, groups and all of this. But um, it was kind of my first experience being surrounded by a group of women, girls, who got me, who understood what I was going through. And I never had that back home. Um, I had a lot of friends, but I didn't have like a group in a sense. And I always, always crave that. Um, and so that was when I was 16 and um, got out of treatment and, you know, did pretty well for a minute, but then didn't. Um, my parents actually, they got divorced um, when I was a senior in high school. Um, and I kind of let that be the reason why I went back down the path. Um, like I remember specifically thinking like, you know, I don't feel good with how I look, feel like I'm too big. Oh, my parents just got divorced. This can be my excuse as to why, you know, I didn't follow the treatment plan. Um, and that landed me right back in treatment at 18. Um, I started, I went to school at Fayetteville. Um, I made it about two months there before one night. I still don't remember this, but, um, I got drunk and I called my mom in a total blackout and told her that I was throwing up in the bathroom, that I wasn't eating, that I was drinking all the time and that I thought that I needed to go to partial, which is um, like the second tier of treatment. Um, and didn't remember that conversation at all. And the next day my mom calls me and she was like, well, Laureate has a spot for you. You know, you need to move back home. And I was like, how does she know? How does she know? Well, I know how she knows now. Um, and so once again, you know, was back in treatment and once again, not really caring that I was there. Um, you know, to me, it still felt like a choice. It really, really felt like I was doing this because some part of me needed attention. Some part of me needed to be different. Um, I did not mind being the girl with the eating disorder because guess what? That gave me an identity. Okay. Um, so I could, you know, I had something to, to relate myself to. Um, and then I did okay. Um, went to school at University of Tulsa 
and um, was doing really, really well there. Um, started drinking a lot. Um, I think, you know, with eating disorders, there tends to be um, a lot of times a dual diagnosis. Um, you know, if I couldn't, you know, tap into my eating disorder um, to numb whatever I was feeling, there was always drugs and alcohol. And that led, and I don't think I've ever shared this before, um, that led to an overdose at University of Tulsa. I, um, it was a snowstorm of, I guess, 2009, um, and school was canceled. Um, we were drinking days and days. I was popping pills um, like no one's business, and um I guess I was walking home from um, a fraternity and passed out in the snow. Um, and thank God another sorority girl found me and we got, you know, got me to the hospital. Um, but once again, my mom came and picked me up and I was right back home. Um, you know, took, took a little time off. Um, and then I guess I was about, whew, how old was I? I was 22 when I met my now husband. Um, and those kind of few years before that, um, I was doing okay with the eating disorder. Um, you know, I, I was seeing a therapist here. Um, I, I felt that I was in somewhat recovery. It wasn't recovery now that I look back on it. But um, I met my husband and we moved really, really fast in our relationship, like super fast. Like, um, we met, we moved in together a month later. Um, he already had a two-year-old son and we, we wanted a baby. We didn't exactly want one at that moment, but sure enough, a couple months later, I'm pregnant with my daughter Harper. Um, so that was in a, I guess around June and we were married in October of that year and Harper came the next March. And let me just say that, you know, with an eating disorder and pregnancy, I had always been, you know, just totally terrified of being pregnant with an eating disorder, uh, my body gaining weight, my body not doing what, you know, I wanted it to do. And it was the happiest time in my life when I was pregnant with Harper. Um, because for so many years I had hated my body. Um, I hated everything it stood for, you know, in a sense, I didn't know where it came from. So I didn't have much respect for it. Um, I think I was actually told that I probably couldn't have kids because of what I had done to myself. And, um, I was just so amazed that like my body could do something good. And it, it had never felt that way before. And, you know, feeling her grow and feeling her kick, it, it was just kind of like, okay, like, you know, things can get better. You, you, can, you can do better for this child. Um, and so Harper was born and she is the love of my life. Um, if you know me, you know that Harper pretty much goes everywhere I go. Um, She's, she's my little sidekick and, um, I, I did really, really well, um, as far as recovery goes, um, until she was about four and, um, 
you know, I, I would tell you that I was a great mom. I know I was a great mom. I'm, I still am a good mom, but, um, I started a new job and I can't really pinpoint it, but things got uncomfortable emotionally for me. And when that happens, that's when I typically take it out on myself and my body. And, um, started doing that and started feeling not so great, started having very low energy. Um, you know, I couldn't even work out because any energy that I had left was going towards being as good of a mom as I could be for Harper. Um, my husband didn't really notice what was going on. You know, he sees me every day. He didn't really notice, um, a weight loss or, or anything like that. Um, but some friends around me did and they started getting really concerned and um, one of them made me go to the doctor and this is just how um, ignorant the medical field is unless you are specifically trained uh, in eating disorder recovery. Um, I went to the doctor. I was acting out on every behavior you could imagine in my eating disorder and I laid it all out there for him. I told him everything that I was doing. Um, and he, after, you know, doing an EKG, taking some blood, um, he told me, well, you know, you, you're, you're pretty healthy. Um, you know, other than you're a little bit on the thin side. Mm. And I looked at my friend and I was like, I told you like that this was a waste of time, total waste. Um, I started going to therapy again. And after my third session with her, she, she fired me and said, I cannot wait to work with you when you get home. But right now you're at the point that if you start trying to refeed yourself, you could have a heart attack. You need to go to treatment. And, um, my first response was no, you know, my, my daughter's about to start um, pre-K like she's about to go to big girl school. I have to be there for that. Um, I wanted to put everything on the back burner because of her. Um, and so I left that therapy session. Um, and it was, I think a couple nights later, I hadn't told Chris yet. I hadn't really told anyone what was going on. Um, but one night I was laying in bed with Harper and she had fallen asleep. And I noticed that like my heart was kind of doing some really weird stuff. And I thought to myself, like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to have a heart attack right now. I'm going to have a heart attack. And my daughter is going to wake up the next morning and she's going to see me. Um, and so I tried to stay awake the entire night, just like, please hang in there, hang in there. I thought about calling an ambulance, but I didn't want to cause attention. Um, and I woke up that next morning and was pissed that I was still alive. Mm. And it was then that I was like, okay, you, you've got to go. Like you, you have, you have to go for her. At least if you can't do it for you, do it for her. Um, I told my husband, um, who at the time had a very odd schedule. Sometimes he had to be at work at five, um, but you know, my family's great. Um, my mother-in-law was like, we've got it. My mom, we've got it. And, um, I went to treatment for the third time 
And it was then, you know, I wasn't in high school wanting attention anymore. I wasn't um, in college able to get out of an exam because of my illness. You know, I was now a mother who would never in a million years leave her daughter unless she absolutely had to. Um, and, and so I did it. This was the first time I went into treatment and I was like, you know, fuck this. Like I, I have to get better for me first and foremost. Um, I have a daughter, you know, if she were to have walked in on me doing what I was doing at any point in time, that kid has the best memory. She would remember it, you know? Um, and so I did the work I worked and worked my ass off. And, um, I was there for four months, um, FaceTimed home every night. Harper thought that I was, um, what'd she think that I was training, that I was training for a new job. And in a sense, you know, I kind of was, but, um, you know, she would be like, mom, I want to see your room, mom, I want to see your office. And the girls would kind of be around and she'd be like, mom, is that someone you work with? And I'm like, hmm. Yes, it is, girl. It is. Um, and so, yeah, um, you know, I came home. I immediately had a therapist. She took me back. I still work with her. Um, got a dietitian. Um, you know, just really did everything I possibly could um, to stay where I needed to stay in recovery. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm in probably the best spot right now, five months postpartum, because I just had another girl, um, you know, that, that I could ever imagine. Um, I am, I'm happy as can be. And um, it, you know, wasn't easy. Wasn't easy at all. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Anyway, I, I did know a lot of your story just because I've been following you for so long, but I didn't know a, a lot of it also yeah, yeah. So i appreciate you sharing all of it because i do feel like it all does go together i don't know much about um eating disorders mm -hmm. but i know some about addiction because yes. we've had that in my family and what you were saying about um when you weren't into your eating disorder you're then you're into the alcohol yes. and drugs you know that sometimes you when you have an addictive personality you can totally fix your alcoholism and then become addicted to working out or you just kind of replace the addiction with one thing or the other. And so that's real interesting. Yeah. It's happening and you didn't even know that's what you were doing. Oh yeah. I mean, and I would do it with, I mean, with working out, there was a period where, you know, um, the whole, you know, health journey and a lot of women go through that too, where, you know, they, become obsessed with not restricting, um, not, it, it's more of like societies, like, okay, you, this kind of dieting you can do by, you know, only eating healthy things, only working out. Um, it's, it's a whole, whole nother, you know, side, side of addiction, side of eating disorders. So one of the things that I realized about myself watching your journey through sharing this publicly is that I did the keto diet for yeah. three years. I did it to lose weight in the beginning, but there are also a lot of other health benefits I got from it. Mm -hmm. And people were asking me what I was doing because I was shrinking. Yeah. So I decided to start a keto Instagram and it quickly grew to like over 10,000 followers. I had to in products to review. Okay. But 
now I realize I could have been triggering all these people and not that I, not that it's not okay for me to share what I was doing at the time, but I have become so conscious of not only who's watching who on social media, what kind of example am I setting? And I'm not saying people that do that are just for me personally, I just became so aware of this diet culture and glorifying that I was shrinking to someone like you that might be watching going, why can't I shrink that fast? I'm going to try this now. Or why is she winning and I'm losing and all of that. And so I haven't posted there in a long time. I still have the account um, just because I've made some friends through there, but also some of those friends have become these body positive influencers through their own realization yes. of like focusing on a diet and then being called out to what about us? What about the big girls? What about the short yes. girls? What about this? And so becoming aware that, everybody's struggling with something mm-hmm. and you're calling attention. I love the, someone said at a conference I was at one time, if, if you wouldn't say that to your best friend, don't say it to yourself. Yes. And so I think that all the time, for instance, I just started doing CrossFit. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. In a way that probably looks like I'm obsessed with it, but what I'm obsessed with about it is that it makes me feel strong. Yeah. Not that I'm trying to lose weight. Right. So like when I'm, posting about that or talking to someone about it. I'm very careful choosing my words because I don't want someone to be like, Oh gosh, you know, I should, now I got to go do that. Or you just don't know who you're talking to. Yeah. So my my inner thoughts this morning when I missed my workout (laughs) started with, you can't miss another day of working out. So I was replacing my inner thoughts when I, when I missed my workout this morning with it's okay to miss one workout. Like it's not like I'm not doing the calories in calories out. I'm not trying yes. to like, but that first instinct when I woke up this morning and needed to miss because I wasn't feeling well was what is that going to do to the rest of my week? And so just being conscious of what you say to yourself, because yes. I wouldn't say that to you. I'd be like, listen to your body, girl. Don't You don't need to work out every day, but I'm not saying that to myself. I have to catch myself. Right. Yeah. So I think it's very important just to be aware of what you're saying to others, but also what you're saying to yourself. And I have decided to um, work with a nutritionist, also a nutrition coach to learn how to fuel my body instead of being scared to death of carbs. I have put myself into a mindset where I'm scared of carbs after doing keto and it's a trigger thing. Like it's a, you're telling me I can eat that many carbs and I'm not going to like undo any, like just these weird thoughts that you go through. And it's, I feel like it's all about controlling something when you can't control everything. And so I'm trying to be very cognizant of that. So I love that you said that, you know, when it's just the whole diet culture, really, like it's, I, when I did keto, it was all about, I could eat a block of cheese for lunch, which is may or may not be healthy, but also it put me in a spot where I was afraid to have a muffin at coffee with a friend. And I didn't realize I had done that to myself. Well, and that's, and that's the whole point of diet culture. Like, you know, and, and I know enough to know that, you know, like when I see you doing keto, right. Or I see you doing CrossFit, I'm educated enough to know like, okay, that's great for you. Like you feel strong in your body. Awesome. If I were to do CrossFit, I would become obsessed with CrossFit. I think I did actually at one point, um, you know, I would make my whole life about CrossFit, but that's my journey. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of people 
it was one of my favorite things in treatment was um, I like to speak up in there. And uh, we have a group every week called Milieu where um, you just talk about the community and you talk about issues in the community. Um, and there was this girl who got triggered and I hate the word trigger. It's a great word. I get why it's used, but because of this, this young lady, it, it bothers me, but everything triggered her. Um, if my meal plan changed and I talked about, I was stressed about my meal plan changing, mm -hmm. Lucy, that's really triggering. And I would be like, girl, if you can't be triggered in treatment, like where else, where else is a good place for that to happen? Um, you know, so I see a lot of people who will, you know, openly say like, you shouldn't be doing keto. Keto's not real. Um, but that, that's not for me to judge. Like if that makes you feel better, great. If you want to ask me how <laughs> I feel about it, I will totally lay it out there for you, you know, but, um, it's just, uh, people make money off of diet culture, right? People, um, they have careers out of it. And I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow just released a new book called Intuitive Fasting, which is basically anorexia, but let's put a fancy name on it and throw in some wellness culture um, and we're good to go. You know, it's, um, it's unavoidable. And I want to talk about your daughters because I know you just had little baby Reese who's sitting in your lap right now <laughs> and Harper, tell me what it's like to raise daughters and your son, just anybody. Cause it, I know it doesn't discriminate, but what are the things that you do intentionally based on your experience with eating disorder to make sure that your kids feel the love for themselves? Yeah. Um, so one thing I've learned is that kids are mirrors, right? Um, especially Harper. She, um, is a mommy's girl through and through. Um, and so number one, I don't talk about good foods, bad foods ever. Um, I remember when I came home from treatment and, you know, she's in pre-K and she said something about how chocolate is junk food. And I called my therapist. I was like, all foods fit, all foods fit. Like, why aren't they teaching that? Why aren't they teaching about portions? No, it's, that's junk food. Um, so I make a big point not to say, you know, oh, I feel like I've eaten too much today. Or, um, you know, oh, I, I can't have dessert. I, I'm, you know, I feel bad about myself. Um, you know, instead, I just, one, don't say anything, um, or I'm just like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm not that hungry right now. Um, I'm going to eat in a little bit. And Harper is very, very aware of, um, she has amazing awareness for, for an eight-year-old. Um, but this past summer, um, it ripped me. Um, she, we were at the pool all the time and um, she has some friends that are, you know, a little smaller, smaller body size than she is. And um, we left hanging out with some friends one, one day and uh, Harper just looked at me and she goes, mom, do you think I eat too many chips? And I was like, what? I was like, why would you say that? She was like, well, my stomach's kind of big. 
And I was like, Harper, I was like, some days you do eat too many chips. Some days you eat too many apples. Some days you drink way too much water. I was like, food is energy, okay? It was like, those chips you eat lets you go and run around with your friends. You know, that, that any of that food you're putting in your body helps you to do something. You wouldn't be able to play softball. You wouldn't be able to go to gym. Um, you know, if you weren't eating those things and luckily she, you know, was like, okay, okay, cool. Um, so just, you know, kind of having those conversations. And then after this baby came, um, you know, having a baby at 32 versus 23 is a lot different. Um, you know, the get your body back shit is everywhere. Um, you know, it's my, my Instagram feed is just completely like body after baby, body after baby. I caught myself one day looking at myself in the mirror. Um, and our big mirror is like right outside of Harper's room. And I was just like, man, like still flabby. Like that's what it kind of, I was thinking in my head and I look and Harper's looking at me. And so I was like, and I kind of made a smile. And she was like, why are you smiling? I was like, because this belly made two babies. Why wouldn't I be smiling? Inside, I was like, oh, I don't like how I look right now. I don't like how I look. Kind of setting, just kind of setting those types of examples that, you know, there are days that I'm not so happy with myself, but that doesn't mean that I stop eating or I stop hanging out with people, um, doing the things that I love to do. Um, but it's hard. It's hard. I feel like, you know, anything and everything I do sometimes it, it's not right, but I think that's just parents. <laughs> parenthood. It's parenthood. I've heard you say some of the, something that I say a lot too is about watching who you follow on social media. Like my, I always say, I don't follow someone you wouldn't take advice from. That's what huh. I but it's yeah. so, social media is the worst, the literal worst. I can't imagine having an eating disorder and seeing the things that come across my feed and not feeling like shit constantly. Well, so social media is the worst, but if you look in the right places, it is the absolute best. Like my, my personal Instagram now, um, you know, it did, it had some of those moms that, you know, have way more money than me. They're, you know, kids dress way cuter. And, you know, so yeah, I would like, I'm, I'm not following that. I'm not trying to attain that lifestyle. Um, and it's the same, you know, I used to follow, uh, Jillian Michaels until this year. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was obsessed with the biggest loser obsessed. Um, she contributed to my eating disorder a hundred percent, some of it. Um, but you know, I just stopped, I unfollowed a lot of these so-called coaches who, um, were trying to tell you what you should put in your body, who were not dietitians, were not trained in that area, um, and started following dietitians. Um, I learned all about fat phobia in the past couple years. Um, I'd always heard the term thrown out, but I never really educated myself on it. Um, and, you know, my feed now is just completely um, therapists, dietitians, um, and most of them are anti-diet, anti-diet culture. Um, you know, it's, 
it, it's a place that I get excited to look at now some days as opposed to scrolling and being like, yeah. Tell me what oh, no. inspired you yeah. to decide to share your story publicly. Because mm-hmm. no one talks about it. Um, you know, growing up, um, especially when I first got sick, it was very much, and I mean, it still is incredibly taboo. Um, it is um, something you feel judged because of, especially, especially when you have kids. Um, you know, I remember being 16 in treatment for the first time and seeing the adult patients there. And I remember thinking like, y'all are moms. Like, what what are y'all doing here? I still thought it was a choice back then. Um, and so, you know, as many people who I know have eating disorders, it needed to be talked about. So yeah, another, yeah, no one talks about their experience with an eating disorder, but, um, and most people don't know that eating disorders are the number one cause of death of mental illnesses. Um, the three treatment centers I've been to and kind of being in the eating disorder community, um, I've lost five people, um, a couple to heart attacks, um, the rest to suicide. Um, we, I lost uh, a really good friend last year who um, had been battling um, her eating disorder, which then turned to more depression and um, some bipolar. Like um, it, uh, I think every 53 minutes, someone dies from an eating disorder. So with that much, um, with that many people dying and so few people talking about it. And like, I don't want to say normalizing it because you don't want to, you know, normalize an eating disorder, but open up the conversation. Um, and I try to be very, very frank and honest. Um, you know, if people want to know the down and dirty of all of it, I will tell you. Um, but by sharing my story and as you know, personally, um, I've been able to help people, you know, without, um, you know, there was a point that I wanted to be a therapist that I wanted to be a nutritionist, but, I didn't want to do all the schooling. Um, I didn't want to become a coach on it. And I say coach in quotations because they're just, there's a lot of dieting coaches and things like that out there giving false information, not all of them, but most of them. Um, and, um, you know, I've had mothers of daughters who have called me and, or text me and been like, I think this is what my daughter has. Can you talk to me? Um, I posted something on Instagram a few months ago, um, hashtag eating disorders and a girl in Michigan came across my profile and her sister's been struggling. And I ended up on the phone with her for an hour um, with her and her dad kind of talking them through what to expect. Um, It's, I mean, it's been such, such an honor, honestly. It's a gift. Like, I feel like when you, share your story and that not the same, but whenever I decided to speak about being a teen mom, because I, yeah, I had yes. let that hold my, hold me back for so long for 20 years and keep me in this stuck yeah. place. And my life coach said, I think you're ready to share that. It was Tharwit. She said, I think you're ready to share that. And I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to yeah. try this one time. And the first time I did someone that was in the room came up to me with tears in her eyes and said, your story is my story. 
I'm so glad. So I'm sure that's what you feel. And then, you know, you're doing what you were called to do. Yes. Yes. One, yeah. One hundred percent. You know, and not to mention that um, it keeps me in recovery. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'll be out with friends and they'll say something about a diet they're on and they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be talking about that. I'm like, I don't care. Like you, you yeah. do you. That That's fine. But being able to share my story, like doing this podcast, you know, I, I could have been having an awful day yesterday, you know, not liking my body, not liking that, you know, I'm not the size that I was before this baby. Um, but I've also had uh, two miscarriages since mm-hmm. Harper. And so it's like, okay, you know, something else that's not really talked about, but this baby was never supposed to be here. And my body, because I was at a good place mentally and physically was able, you know, to carry another, another baby. So good. So good. I want to switch gears a little bit because you were a photographer. Fabulous one. And I've watched you kind of grow in that too. Cause I'm, I'm I'm watching, following you everywhere. You are. Um, I love but it. I, you do portrait photography and branding photography. And I just saw the TikTok that you posted. Um, is that what you say for TikTok? I'm so old. Do you post TikTok? Okay. <laughs> the, the TikTok that you posted um, where you had done a branding session and you were talking about body positivity and all of that. Tell me how your photography has changed as you've gone through this cycle in your recovery. Yeah. So um, I started out doing. Um, just kind of dipping my toes in photography when Harper was first born. Um, you know, we got like a shitty camera and Chris was like, take it off auto. And I was like, no. And then I did. And I taught myself and I started out, you know, doing families. Um, and then somehow I loved it. It was great. Um, someone like needed a headshot or something and, you know, headshot photography just sounds so boring. Um, because you think of like, you know, the denim background and, you know, it's just, it's not, it doesn't sound fun. And I ended up doing it and it was great, whatever I got paid. Um, but then a female was like, Hey, I need a headshot. I do need family photos, but can you also do a headshot? And I was like, yes. And she was like, but if you could make me like look a little thinner, if you know, you could like fix my double chin, da, 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 um, that would be amazing. And my first thought was, I don't know Photoshop. Like I've trained myself in Lightroom. I can't, Photoshop's not my jam. And then my second thought was like, oh, oh, she's wanting me to take her photo, but then physically alter herself. No, no. And so you can't tell someone who's, you know, wanting to pay you for photos that, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. Um, What I've learned to now say, because it happens every single time, it's, um, will you take away my double chin? Will you make my nose look slimmer? Will you make my eyes bigger? Is what I tell them is that I will help pose them so that they look and feel their best, but I am not going into Photoshop and altering you. Um, because that's not what a headshot is, you know, a headshot, it's a, it's a handshake, you know, it's the first thing most people see, you know, when they're creeping on you or looking you up or, you know, whatever. And so I've kind of been able to take my own philosophy of, you know, body positivity, love yourself. Um, I've been able to take that into my headshots. And what I've found is, you know, the women that were like, 
I don't want to take a photo because I need to lose 10 pounds or will you alter this and that they end up loving their photos. You know, them loving their body or not, that's not my job to fix. Um, but if I can do a headshot session where we're laughing, we're giggling, I'm capturing those moments where you look genuinely happy, typically they end up loving their photos. Um, and so that's just been a whole nother like gift that I just kind of randomly fell into. Um, someone posted on um, like a Facebook group that they were needing um, branding photos, but they were looking for someone um, that had experience photographing mm -hmm. plus size women. And people started putting my name and I was like, yes, me, pick me, pick me. You know, it's like being able to have, you know, people like you recommend me to someone because of the way I do things. That's awesome. That's, also, you know, how, it's great personally and it's great how professionally. How jacked up is it that you should even have to say someone who is familiar or comfortable photographing someone that is plus size? Why, why should that even be a question that a plus size person should ask? That breaks my heart. Because society mm -hmm. is shit. I mean, it's, yeah, that's a whole nother <laughs> podcast that we can talk about all of that. But yes, it, it is. It's awful. When she can, um, I mean, whoever this is may even love herself and her body, but still has to worry right. that someone else is not going to be comfortable around her or taking a photo of her yes. or glorifying her like we all should be as women. Yes. Well, exactly. Exactly. But I mean, I mean, there you go. That's the definition of fat phobia, you know, a fear or aversion to people of larger yeah. bodies. It is it's wild. wild. And it breaks my heart. It's wild. But I'm so happy no, that you have found too. through your own recovery, how to make everyone comfortable. Like I think that's so we talk yeah. about empowering women and doing this and being happy for each other and celebrating each other. But still there's always that underlying thing with women where she's better than me, thinner than me, smarter than me. Why can't I have that? Why can't I be this? Yes. Okay. One other quick little story on that um, is I was doing a headshot event and there was a woman that showed up beautiful, absolutely beautiful. You could tell right off the bat, though, that she was incredibly insecure with herself. Um, there was a lot of makeup, a lot of makeup going on. And I just thought to myself, I was like, I wonder if I'm going to get an email from her. Okay, just hold. And so we did the photos. They were great. I sent her the gallery to pick the ones that she wanted. And sure enough, she sent me an email and she said, these are great. I've sent you the photos that you took, but I've used a filter that I have on my phone, can you make me look like this? Can you thin my arms? Can you smooth my face? Da, 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 da. Okay, this woman is a very small bodied woman already. And it just broke my heart, broke my heart. And so I responded back to her. I said, please do not use a filter on the photos that I take of you. Once I give you the photos, like they're yours, you can do with them what you want but please don't do it. And I told her, I was like, I will touch your face up. I do that for everyone. I will smooth your skin a little bit. I'll, you know, brighten your eyes up a little bit, but I'm not going to take off parts of your arm. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to fix that, fix this. And I mean, this is a woman who on the outside, if 
you didn't know better, you would think, wow, she's probably got money. She's probably, you know, got a really awesome house and a great husband and really pretty kids. But the minute she walked in, I was like, I think this one's going to be a little difficult. And sure enough, and she ended up loving, loving the photos or so she told me, but, um, you know, it's society these days. It doesn't matter if you are overweight, if you're underweight, you know, there, there is a problem with you and you need to fix it, whatever it is. Well, I'm thankful that you are sharing your gift with all the people and all the headshots and all the photos. I think all the things I really do. I think it's, I've, I've had several photo shoots where I've, walked in and thought this is going to be so uncomfortable or them trying to pose me in a specific way that I know what they're trying to do. <laughs> like, I know, I know you're trying to make my arm look smaller. <laughs> I feel it. I mean, and I'm, I'm thankful, but also is this what we see? Like we need to be pictured. The other thing is people, when you don't look like your photo, it's a problem. I, have you ever it's been to an event and yes. you've seen this picture of a speaker and then they get on stage and you're like, what? What they look Wait, who, who, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the great thing about headshots is that you know there's a reason that you're supposed to update them, like at the minimum yeah. every three years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know people. You know, people that you know are much older who use their headshot from yeah. 30 years ago. And there's like a JC Penny denim background, but they look young right. and good. So and then they show up it. to your event, and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. I mean you look great right? and but, also, oh. just love yourself where you yeah. are right now today that's the whole thing yes. like just love yourself where you are today don't don't use the 30 year old photo because you're so distraught about what people will think about you today everybody right. loves a good right. photo but also I look like I rolled out of bed most of the time so for me to put on a dress and take the fancy photo is not ever what you're gonna get you're gonna get me in my vans and my jeans and my t-shirt every single time I will say though that your photos that who did the ones for shift her mm -hmm. Julie? Julie Julie bird photography look phenomenal you're wearing eyeliner so you do look completely different but it's like it's it's a good good thing those pictures came out and I remember being like damn I okay to make it sometimes but it's for the photo like otherwise you will not see that I have any eyelashes <laughs> Right, right, right. Oh no, I, I like, I put, normally every day I do my brows, like just for me, because I feel good when my brows are did. But um, I like put on makeup and blush today and Chris was walking out the door. You know, I stay at home with the baby and he was like- Why are you so fancy? <laughs> you, you, look, you look nice. Meanwhile, you know, I have sweatpants on down here. And I was like, I'm doing a podcast. He was like, oh, fancy you. I was like, yeah, it required Every time someone puts makeup on me, I sit down, I'm like, I need this to look like I could have maybe done it myself. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because I can't same, do it myself, same, but I need it yes. like possibly no. I pulled it off. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God, no. Yeah, okay, so true. So I, our Shifter podcast audience is primarily women, but there are, I'm sure yeah. there are a few men that happen into it. And maybe with this subject, especially, I know that eating disorders don't discriminate. It can be young, old, nope. male, female, black, white, other, like whatever. What is your yeah. message to someone who's listening to this today who is struggling with an eating disorder, but doesn't even know what to do? Um, my advice is ask for help. Um, if you don't really know what's going on with you, um, 
but if you notice that you are using um, food, exercise, drugs, alcohol, just anything to numb the way you feel, that maybe there's a problem and not so much ask for help like, hey, I need to call a therapist. I need to go to treatment. I need to do this. It's telling a friend, you know, hey, I'm, I'm really struggling. This is what's going on. Maybe that friend is like, ooh, you know, that, that kind of sounds like eating disorder behavior or that kind of sounds like, you know, addiction. Just um, I found that when I am in my lowest, I isolate from everybody. Um, I pretend that everything's fine. Everything's fine. Um, and it makes me sicker. And so, you know, if you're struggling, you don't need to go and make a Facebook post about it, right? You don't need to put it out like that, but reach out, you know, re reach out yourself. Um, that's what I did. And it ended up, you know, completely, completely changing, changing my life. And, and also, um, and I know shift her is very big on this is, you know, surround yourself with like-minded women, um, you know, have kind of that circle. If it's one person, if it's two people, you know, it doesn't have to be big, but just, you know, kind of having that support system in your back pocket for when you need it. Um, you know, it can, it can make all the difference in the world. Great, great piece of advice. Ask for help. And a hundred percent of the time people are willing to help if you ask. I think that people feel like they'll be yes. a burden when they ask for help. And I, I know just from personal experience, anything like if you're struggling, the weight that is lifted by saying it out loud to someone is enormous. Right. Well, and the person doesn't even have right. to understand right. it. You know, I mean, if they're, if someone's reaching out to you or if you're reaching out to someone, you probably just want to vent, you know, you probably need someone to listen. And if solutions are able to be offered, then great. Um, but you know, start, start there, ba little, little yep. baby steps. What would you tell yeah. your younger self knowing what you know now? Oh, that life is not just about what your body looks like. Oh my God. Um, you know, I try to fit into this group. I tried to fit into that group and that meant changing the way I looked and, um, changing how my body was. And, um, you know, I, in, in a sense, I'm grateful. I'm very, very grateful for my eating disorder and the journey I've been on. Um, you know, the people that I've met through this, um, you know, I'm still friends with the girls that I was in treatment with when I was 15. I've been bridesmaids at their wedding. I've gone to meet their babies. Um, you know, um, so I don't regret it, but I wasted a lot of my time. I wasted a lot of my parents' money. Um, you know, when I could have, I could have put that into tennis, you know, I had to stop playing the sport that I loved because I wasn't medically stable enough to do it. Um, and so, yeah, I would definitely say, you know, when you turn 30, none of that shit matters none of it does. Um, you know, my goal now is, you know, while I do want to feel good in my body, it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be small or it has to be what it was before this other baby, you know, um, we don't look like we did in high school right. for a reason, yeah. you know, we don't look like we're in our twenties anymore for a reason. Um, it's called aging and it happens right. to everyone. You're right. That's a good advice. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be able to share your story with the masses. Um, keep doing the good work. You're doing really good. You tell everybody where they can find you online. Um, okay, so I am on Instagram. Personal account is Lucy Bear, and my last name is incredibly hard for people, but it's B A E H R. Don't spell it wrong, Gretchen. <laughs> Um, and then there's also uh, Lucy Bear Photography on Facebook and Lucy Bear Photo Perfect. on Instagram. We will drop that in the show notes. Thanks again for being with me today. Thank you. you so good to see you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Shift Her Podcast. We are here to share stories that inspire so that you can create the life you love now. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review, share on social media, and tell us why it resonated with you. You can follow us on Facebook at ShiftHer, Instagram at ShiftHer.co, and read more about us at www.ShiftHer.co. While you're there, sign up for our High Vibe monthly newsletter, where we share even more inspiration and stories from our Mastermind program. Links from today's episode are in the show notes.